Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And so as you, as you go there, um, this is the, most of you know this, if you've been around for a while, this is the third book study that we've done on a Sunday morning um, here at Midtown. How many of y'all are here for Revelation? Y'all made it through that. Praise God. How many of y'all enjoyed that? Don't lie. Don't lie. Okay, not as many hands went up. That's okay. <laughs> oh, so we went through the book of Revelation. We went through the book of Acts. Raise your hand if you were here for Acts. So between myself, Pastor David, we had like over 40 messages through the book of Acts. That was long, wasn't it? Over a year, and we had messages in between. Pushed it out over a year. Well, now we are in this six-chapter letter that will probably take us a long time to work through. Are y'all okay with that? And today, as a matter of fact, I have two verses for y'all that will take about 50 minutes to preach. Okay, so I'm going to show you just how much truth is in this, this letter, verse by verse, as we as we work through it together. And so with that said, maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering, okay, Pastor Scott, why, why like the verse by verse thing? Maybe you're wondering that, like why go verse by verse? Why not just, you know, take a topic, get some verses and just preach that way? Uh, you don't have to raise your hand if that's you, but I know you're here wondering that, like why verse by verse? Well, as y'all know, there are different styles and approaches to preaching. Uh, some pastors will take a topic and then they'll go to a number of different books and that is of the Bible and get scriptures to support the topic and they preach that way. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Pretty straightforward, right? That, that's typical topical preaching these days, okay? And there's some you know, good things to say about that, of course. There are different styles, different ways of, of, of preaching the word. But let me, illustrate, let me illustrate it this way. When you preach verse by verse, well, think, th think in these terms. It's like if I were to write you an encouraging email, a long, encouraging email. You could take a couple of lines out of that email, and you, you could take those lines and be like, oh, Pastor Scott said these words to me. This is so important. I'm going to keep this quote from Pastor Scott. Now, on the other hand, it could be a discouraging email, and you could take that out and be like, I can't believe he said that. Okay. Now, you can read the one or maybe two sentences out of the email, and you could get the point, of course, but how many of y'all know it really helps to read the whole email? It helps to read the whole letter. It helps to know why the email was sent. It, it helps to know why the letter was delivered. It helps to know what comes before that statement and what goes after. Does that make sense? That's about as clear as I can make it. So a lot of times we hear preaching, we hear just a verse, and we don't hear the context of that particular verse. But if you're taking notes, let's just get into this. Every text has a context. Every text has a context, and when you skip over the context and you go straight to modern-day application, well, you can miss a lot, namely the truth, right? Uh, and I don't want to make anything up. I don't want to just read some stuff, take some stuff out of context, and just give it to you because it sounds good. I want to do my best to get into this document and everyone that I preach from, and I want to do my best to go back into Paul's day so that you so that we can understand what Paul meant then. And then we're going to come out of that context, and I'm going to do my best to show you how that ancient truth applies today. 
Will y'all let me do that? I think that's the way we should preach. Let's go back. Let's, let's do some work there. This is going to take some work on your part. Now, I know not all of you want to do work. You want me to do it all for you. And this morning, I am the one speaking. So obviously, I'm working really hard, okay? But you're going to need to lean in and you're going to need to listen. And, you know, today we hear about people, you know, they, they go on and on about great preaching. And, and I want to do well to preach. But it's one thing to preach well. It's another thing for you as the saints to listen well and to lean in and work well, to work hard to get what ultimately Paul sang. Are y'all with me? And the moment I step out of the text is the moment I step out of my authority. So I'm going to do my best to stay in the text. And when I step out, I'm going to open up a window to give you some illustrations that just help you understand the word of God. Because how many of y'all know it's the word of God, it's the truth that sets you free, not me but the word of God that sets you free, okay? So with that said, it's been said that if you rake, you get leaves, but if you dig, you get diamonds. You get, let's say, gold. And I don't know about y'all, but in this new year, I'm not settling for leaves. Come on, y'all, let's go get some diamonds. But it's gonna require that we dig. And this, this study is like, well, it, it's like taking a sponge full of water, if you can just picture this in your mind, and wringing that sponge out till there is nothing left in that sponge. That's what I'm going to do verse by verse. I'm going to give you as much as I can from each verse, wringing it out so that you get truth. And listen, it's not just about hearing it. It's about taking it and what? Doing it. Obeying the word of God. So are y'all ready to do that? Man, that's what we're after, okay? So we're going we're gonna to eat these ribs, leave nothing on the bone. You know, you can always tell when someone's never eaten ribs before because they leave all that meat on the bone. We're, we're going to eat. We're going to eat and get all, at least we're going to try to get all of the meat off the bone. So with that said, if you're taking notes today, the title of my message very simply is The Source. Can y'all say that? The Source. Let's pray. Father, you are our source. And we look to you today. Come on, let's lift our hands to God. Lord, we lift our hands to you, our source. We pray today that you would help us understand these ancient truths. And Lord, I pray today against any thought in anyone's mind that, oh, this is too much, or I can't understand this. I, I, I pray today, Holy Spirit, for divine confidence by the Holy Spirit to lean in, or to listen and to learn. We are made in your image. We are created to learn. We're created to grow. And today I pray, or by the Spirit, I pray that with the intellect that you've given us, with the abilities that you've given us, being made in your image, that we would be conformed to your image through the study of your word. And so, Holy Spirit, we know you're here, but come, empower me, empower us to learn and to obey. And so we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, some of you are familiar with this letter. Some of you aren't, and that's totally okay. But if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Let me give you just some preliminary facts to set this book up, and then we're going to get into the document, and I'm going to give you some application that will change your life. All right, number one, first of all, this, this letter we called Ephesians, we call it Ephesians, was, uh, it was written about 30 years after Jesus died on the cross and rose from death, okay, around the year 62 AD. Okay, so roughly 
30 years, right, right in that range. So that's, that's the date, okay? Decades after Jesus died on the cross. Second thing, place. This letter we call Ephesians was written from Roman imprisonment. Paul is in prison. He indicates at least, well, I think three times in this letter that he's a prisoner for Jesus Christ. But Paul doesn't tell us all the details. We have to put some of the facts together, read other books, and we have to put all of it together to draw the proper conclusion. Most scholars believe, and I'm convinced as well, that Paul wrote this letter around 62, of course, A.D., from Roman imprisonment. Okay? But when you think of Roman imprisonment, don't think Paul was underground with chains, being you know, whipped and beaten and just in this gloomy dungeon. Okay? When you think imprisonment in this regard, think the end of Acts 28. Think that Paul was under house arrest. He had some freedoms. He, he had some freedoms. One of those freedoms was to write this ancient document to the Ephesians. And he wrote others from this imprisonment as well. But, but this is when Paul was under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard. Yes, it was imprisonment with some freedoms. And so that's the place. So the date is 62. The place is Roman imprisonment. The purpose of this document is, well, let me state it negatively. Paul did not write this letter for the purpose of getting a book deal. Okay? He did not write this letter for the purpose of making money or for the purpose of getting his name out there. Okay? Paul wrote from imprisonment to a church in the ancient city of Ephesus, and he wrote as a man who loved God greatly and who loved the saints who were in Ephesus deeply. He wrote because he loved God, and he wrote because he loved the saints. Let me tell you this. I deeply love y'all, and I hope you feel that. This is not a job for me. This is a joy for me. I truly love being here with y'all. How many of y'all know that's a good thing? Because some pastors can't say that. Some pastors preach because they need a check. I preach, and I minister, and I meet with you, and I do, and Pastor David can say the same. We love y'all. And I'm convinced, people say, well, Pastor Scott, you know, you could be at this church, you could be at that church. I'm, I don't want to be at another church. I don't want to be in another state because I love y'all. I want to be right here on Sunday with y'all. Right here with y'all. And the Apostle Paul couldn't be there with them in person. But he could write to them and in doing so, extend his heart. We're going to hear his heart in this letter. And I said, we're going to cover two verses. Watch this. That's all I'm going to do. Listen to how Paul begins his letter to the Ephesians. Are y'all ready? Here's how Paul begins. Ephesians 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints, come on saints, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you. Let me say it again. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and, you say it with me, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in this greeting, and that's what it is, a two-verse greeting here, Paul makes two things very clear. He establishes who he is, and he established who the Ephesians are. 
are. Two things right there. He wants his audience to know who he is and the credentials that follow. He wants them to know who he is. He wants them to know who they are. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, Paul writes here and he, he begins with his own name, Paul. And for some, that would evoke a sense of fear. Wasn't this the guy who was throwing Christians into jail, opposing the church? Wasn't this the guy that opposed all things Jesus? And the answer would have been what? At some time? Yes. But Saul, Paul had this encounter on the road to Damascus and that changed everything for him, didn't it? How many of y'all know one encounter with Jesus can change everything in your life? Just one. And thank God we have many, many encounters. One encounter changed everything for Saul, for Paul. And he went from being a persecutor of the church to, become, to, to being a promoter of the church. From being persecutor to, to promoter. And we know the whole story. I can't go back into Acts. You were here in Acts 9 when I preached it. But Paul was set apart, not just as a believer, but as an apostle. An apostle. Now, we use that word around here pretty frequently. Maybe you're wondering, okay, what is an apostle? Okay. An apostle, very simply, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. An apostle is an envoy. An apostle is a messenger. In this case, Paul was a, a divinely authorized messenger of Jesus Christ. His authority came from Jesus Christ to go out and to speak for God, to preach the word of God, and in this case, to write for God. And so Paul, right out of the gate, he wants his, his listeners to know that this letter we call Ephesians, this is not just some you know, letter from some guy. This is a letter from a transformed guy who was set apart by God. He was an apostle by the will of God, meaning Paul didn't will it himself. God appointed him to serve in this role. And so God called him, God appointed Paul. And so Paul, watch this, is writing to the Ephesians and he wants them to know that this letter, yes, it's from him, but ultimately this letter is from whom? It's from God. And so I, I want us in this series to have a renewed respect for the scriptures. And I think you do already. I think you, raise if you respect the scriptures, you honor the scriptures. I know you do in varying degrees across this place. I, I get that. But I want all of us, including myself, maybe beginning with myself, to, to have a renewed respect, a renewed sense of awe and wonder at the word of God. Paul's writing to remind them that, okay, I'm not just Paul. I'm the apostle Paul. By the will of God, I'm set apart for this task of apostleship, which means going forth for Jesus, preaching for Jesus, writing for Jesus. And so this is not just another book for you to study in the new year. Now, if y'all know me, you follow me, you know I like to write a lot and I like to read a lot. Someone said, Pastor Scott, can you help me, like lay hands on me to help me want to read more? Because you love to read. And I looked at him, I said, I will not lay my hand. I, I don't love to read. Let me just establish that, okay? I do not love to read. I love the truth and I will do whatever it takes to get the truth, if it's read it or listen to it, get out of my way. I'm going after the truth. That journey started 22 years ago and I feel like I'm just getting started. Watch out, devil. Okay, I like to read a lot. I like to 
write a lot, but I like to read for the purpose of truth. So when I say I like to read, I like to read for that purpose. And so in this new year, I'm going to on Facebook, social media, I'm going to say, hey, read this, read that, read that. Okay, yes, do that if I recommend a book, because there's a reason for that. But, but I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said this, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Visit many good books in the new year. Read the ones I recommend, or at least some of them. Some of you are like, what does that title even mean? <laughs> read them. Read your, you know, your leadership stuff or whatever, 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 okay? Read. Read many good books. But, but live in the scriptures. Could it be today that the church and people within it are being tossed here and there because they're not living in scriptures and they don't know the word of God? blown back and forth, carried along by every strange, crazy doctrine because they are not in the Word of God. Are y'all with me? Visit many good books, but y'all in this new year, live. Everybody say live. Live in the Bible. Get up reading the Bible in the morning. Sneak away on your lunch break. Read the Bible. Listen to it as you're going down the street. And how many of y'all know we all need to be sanctified going down ambassador and down these different roads? You need the word of God coming in because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of what? Christ, hearing the word of God. All right, now look, this is how he begins. He makes two things very clear. Notice this, this letter was written by Paul, but it was written, watch this. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are, say it with me, faithful in Christ Jesus. What? What an opening here. Now, let me take a couple of words here and break this down. What comes to mind when you read the word or hear the word saints? Somebody say football. Is that what comes to mind? Okay, and, and what's the next thought? Like, if you think about it, you know, you, you think about the saints, that's your team, perhaps. The next thought for many is, well, there are the saints, these big dudes who are really good at what's called football, and I could never be one of those unless you're Chris Reese. Okay, the saints, the football team, we think of that, right? But then if you grew up, raise your hand if you grew up uh, attending a Catholic church, just everybody do it because everybody did. I don't even know why I ask. Some of you didn't, Okay. Uh, but you remember learning about the saints in Catholic Church? Uh, so, some of the saints are who? Shout it out. St. Paul, St. Peter, St. Christopher, uh, St. Thomas. What comes to mind when you think of those saints? Let's be honest. These are people, men, you, for the most part, men you could never be like, right? They are like the set apart ones, like the ones who are on a pedestal historically, the ones who are like, whoa, like, like I'm a Christian, but like, they're the saints. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Then let's, let's go down to our local level, to your life. There are those saints that you know of, right? That, that you are uh, perhaps related to. And there aren't many, <laughs> right? But maybe in your family, you've got an, an aunt or an uncle or someone that when you think of that person, like what comes to mind is, oh boy, she's a saint. Like you pray every now and then, but like she or he, they pray all the time. Raise your hand if you know a saint. Like you've called someone in your family. I know there aren't many. You know, so raise your hand if you know someone like that. You've you got a saint somewhere. Okay. Well, well, watch this. Again, a saint is someone that we set apart and we're like, we could never be that way. Like, whoa. Like, have you heard? Do you, you know how much this person prays? And so on and so forth. And, and let me help y'all with that. Yes, there are people who are super committed who are super faithful and we should give 
honor, let me, let me just honor Brett and Sonny and the prayer team. There are people we should honor like the prayer team who labor, who are faithful in private. You don't see them as much in public, though they're here too. They're faithful in private, faithful to God, interceding for you by name. Can we honor them? They, to me, Brett and Sonny and the prayer team, they are saints in that respect. And we should show honor to those who, who live that kind of dedicated life. Okay, so I'm not taking away from that, but follow this. Okay, that's true on one hand, but if, we're, if I'm just preaching and teaching the Bible, then, then this is true primarily. For Paul, listen carefully, for Paul, every single Christian is a saint. And you're like, huh? But Paul don't know me. If Paul knew me, he would call me a sinner. But this is why I'm, oh, we're going to get so much help from Paul in this. Listen to me, my beloved. <laughs> if you are a Christian, you are no longer by definition a sinner. You are now a saint. And maybe no one told you that. Maybe you just said the prayer and then boom. Okay, no one's ever helped you with your identity. You are not a sinner. Do you sin? Don't answer out loud. I know you do. But though we sin, we certainly shouldn't plan on it. We shouldn't settle in, well, I'm just a sinner. I'm always going to sin. There is always going to be some darkness in us. There's always going to be something in us that we need to repent of. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Every single one of you do. But, but, but watch this. For Paul, he says, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints. He doesn't say to the sinners. He says to the saints. And he says this elsewhere in other churches, churches in the ancient world that were filled with sinners. But he doesn't call them that. He calls them out of that when they're in it. He calls them what? He calls them saints. And a saint, if you're taking notes, is simply someone called by God, someone set apart for God, someone cleansed by Jesus, someone who has been made holy by the blood of the Lamb. That's where it starts. The moment you came to Christ, you believed in him, you turned from your darkness, you turned to him, you believe in him, he cleanses you. And how many of y'all are thankful? That's not just a one-time thing. Every day you get up, there is a fountain of forgiveness provided from the cross of Jesus Christ available for you no matter how dirty you feel. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? You are positionally holy. Because Hebrews says, by one sacrifice, he is made holy. He is perfected ever, forever, those who are being made holy. So it's first a position, you're a holy saint in Jesus. You are cleansed, you are forgiven. You are now whole, you are redeemed, you are adopted. You are adopted sons and daughters. But watch this, it gets better. Notice Paul says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. I love all the prepositions in this book. To the saints who are in prepositions. You know, the rabbit went in the house, under the house. Y'all remember that from grammar school? Okay. In, in Ephesus. Notice, the saints lived in Ephesus, but they were not of Ephesus. They were in it, but they were no longer in the systems of the world in Ephesus. Some of them were in the worship of the goddess Artemis, 
But Jesus rescued them from that cult worship, from that, that, that lifestyle of debauchery. They were in Ephesus, but they were no longer of it. Listen, as saints, as saints in this room, if you're born again, you believe in Jesus, you repent and are repenting of your sins. If you are in relationship with him, you can say, I am in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm in it. Somebody got it, but I'm not of it. Meaning, I'm not better than anyone else. Yeah, I've said this before. Let me say it again. I have the gift of repetition. We're not better than, but we are called to be different from. And when we are different from and we reflect Jesus, how many of y'all know that's a whole nother level? We are in the world, but we should not be of the world. So if positionally we are holy, the outworking of that is that we should live practical day-to-day -day lives of holiness, of being set apart unto the Lord. Does that make sense? We are called to be different, which means we should not talk the way the world talks. Oh, Pastor, it sounds kind of legalistic. No, it's just the Bible. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I can't wait till we get there. Paul's going to get right up in the middle of all your cursing and call you all to repentance. Those of you that curse is like a lifestyle, like it's just the way I do it. Well, God hasn't called you just to do things the way you've always done it. He's called you to a new relationship with Jesus. And you don't, you don't clean up your mouth so he'll accept you. You come to him, he accepts you, he cleanses you, and he gives you grace to go and sin no more. And it begins with your, you see where I went? Heart. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the what? The mouth. Oh, boy, it's going to be low on that Sunday. Because I will tell you, you know what's going to come next, okay? Are you all with me? So I'm just teaching you the Bible. This is, this is super simple stuff here. So check, check it out. So with that, we are called to be different. Well, that means we don't talk the way the world talks. When we do, and we all have, what do we do? We repent. We repent to God and to the people that we've sinned against and offended okay we don't watch what the world watches pastor scott sounds kind of legalistic okay let me keep going i've had christians recommend movies to me and i should have in one case i should have done more homework just to look at the rating but it was a trusted person and i watched five minutes in and i'm like it's like the devil threw up on the tv screen <laughs> and i'm like bro you're recommending this to me? I mean, there's enough sensuality on the news. You know, the news is, in a lot of times, in a lot of cases, turned into just, it's marketing for every kind of gross, dark thing. You have to be careful when you go to all the news networks. You go to the, There's stuff together, like, I don't, I, it's all around us. And that Christian's recommending sensual movies with nudity, and I'm like, Where's the disconnect in your mind to think, number one, that you should watch that and then recommend it to your pastor? <laughs> like, McFly. <laughs> Anybody home? Are y'all with me? We are called to be different, which means we don't watch what the world watches. We have to be careful what comes in our 
eye gate and through our ear gate. We have to be careful. We should not think the way the world thinks. Does it make sense? So find out the way the world, if you don't even know the word, find out the way the world thinks and do the opposite. (laughs) Being a saint doesn't mean living in a monastery. If you're called to that, God bless you. Don't forget to tithe from the monastery. (laughs) No one here is called to that. Being a saint means seeing your body, your body, your mind, your work, your parenting, all of life as being set apart for God. So we're going beyond church stuff, huh? The church stuff into the day-to-day affairs of your very life. Let me ask you a question. Are you living a holy and separated life unto the Lord? I want to challenge you in this new year. I, I know there's, there are areas in your life where that's not the case. So you don't fall into condemnation. Listen to the rest of my message, but for now, let me say this. Repent. And say, Lord, search me. Search me. Show me every way in me that's compromised. Every way in me that is like the world. And how many of y'all know God's faithful to show you, if you ask? Attitudes, actions, y'all get the point. The world does what is common, but we are called to be the uncommon people of God. So why would you go back to the common life Jesus died to free you from? Why would you go back to, to that life? Jesus died to set us apart. So Paul, Paul's saying to the saints, to the saints, you're saints. You're set apart for God. But then listen to how Paul's greeting concludes. Can y'all handle another verse? I told y'all, like, this is like, we're going to do verse by verse. He says this, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is powerful. Paul tells his audience who he is. He tells them who they are. He's Paul. They're saints. They're saints together. And Paul does not merely here in verse 2, he does not merely greet them. He graces them. He graces them. He says, grace to you. Now, what, what is grace? We're going to talk about this over and over again through this series. What is grace? And what's so, in the words of, I think, Philip Yancey, what's so amazing about it? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Grace is very simply God's unmerited favor and power in your life. It's unmerited. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. It's totally free. When you hear the word grace, just get it in your mind. It is totally free. Okay, so the, the, way, the way I like to say it is this. There, there's no number of things you could ever do. No I's that you can dot, T's you can cross, money you can give, mission trips you could go on, good deeds that you can perform. There's no amount that you could ever do that once you're done, God would look at you and say, okay, now, okay, now, like before, no, like last year, no, but now you've done enough. And so now, okay, now you get my grace. Does that make sense? There's no amount of things 
we can do to earn, by definition, his unmerited favor, his unmerited goodness in our lives. So here's the way it is. We're going to get to this in, in, in Ephesians 2. Paul says we were dead in our sins, not like asleep, but we were dead. We're spiritually dead. And, and, and then all of a sudden, like almost out of nowhere, Paul tells us God made us alive. How many of you know you didn't make yourself alive? He made you alive. You had to respond and say yes. You had to exercise faith and say yes. You had to repent of your sin. But God made you alive. How did he do that? Why did he do that? He did it by grace and he did it because he loves you. He did it because he knows that there's nothing in you that can cause you to do that on your own. So he acts first, which is grace. Unmerited goodness. You can never buy your way out of sin. You can never earn your way into a relationship with God. You can never, watch this, do enough to become enough. The only way out of sin and into a relationship with God is by and through the grace of God. And watch this. I'm going to teach on this like a man from another planet in weeks to come. Grace not only saves you, but it also empowers you to be different. It empowers you to actually be a saint. So maybe, maybe in this new year, maybe, yes, you need a new rhythm. You need a new habit. You need to get up and read your Bible for 15 minutes. Of course. I would say that for everybody. Maybe you've been doing it, but maybe for you, you haven't been doing that. You need to start doing that. Doing that. I'm going to show you that before all of that, you have to have a really good understanding of what grace is and the way that your relationship with God should function. Because if you go to God thinking you're taking something to him to earn something from him, you're going to get it all wrong. But if you go to God first knowing that he's the God of grace, and when you go to, to, to him, he's the source, you start with him as the source, out of that, out of the, the source comes the, the power, the energy, the motivation, watch this, to live for God, to live for him in this new year. So watch this. We are called by the grace of God to be different, not perfect. Are y'all with me? but different. If you're taking notes, write this down. But we don't work for grace. We work from grace. And if you've been working for it, you know how that feels and you know how that functions in your life. All the F's, you'll, you'll be a failure before God if you're working to earn something from him. So we don't work for grace. We work from, from grace. Watch this. We're getting ready to get ready to land the plane. Watch this. So before Paul, or second, we're in two verses in. So before it talks about anything else, he says grace to you. He doesn't just greet them. He graces them. But I got so fired up on Friday because I was looking over my notes. And I'm like, but he says so much more about Grace. But I'm like, okay, Scott, you have 45 minutes. Watch this. Here's what I found. This letter commences with a word of grace. Check it out in your own Bible. Uh, Ephesians 6, uh, verse 24. It concludes with a word of grace. You can fact check me. It commences with grace. It concludes with a word of grace. And then look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2. 
uh, beginning of verse 4. But God, everybody say, but God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Watch this, here it comes. By grace you have been saved. There it is. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. In, in, in whom? In whom? Say it. Say it. In Christ Jesus. Here's the so that clause phrase here. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages, in eternity, in eternity, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? It means this, that salvation in your life commences by grace. It continues by grace. Your life will conclude. You will draw your last breath by grace. Then you say, well, then it's over, right? No, then you die, then you go to heaven. And in the ages to come, in heaven to come, in eternity, you will be, I will be, we will be recipients of the grace of God forever. It doesn't run out. It doesn't run out because his grace is his unmerited favor and his unmerited goodness in our lives. So when we die, we go to heaven. What will we be? Recipients of God's unmerited favor in our lives. And just when you think it can't get any better in heaven, then it gets better. And then after that, you think it can't get any better, and then it gets better. And throughout all eternity, God will show us his glory, unpack truths we couldn't understand with our our finite brains in this life. And we will be forever objects of his love. Boy, there's no better news than that, huh? On your worst day, on your best day, but on your worst day, remember that. I hope your life is great this year. I hope you have a great, great new year. But let me just say this, not as a prophet, but by, as just a human being that's very observant. Trouble comes. <laughs> I told you, I'm not a prophet. You didn't believe me. Now you believe. Trouble comes. Hardship comes. But thank God, we serve a God who is our source of grace. And that source of never, ever, ever runs dry. So while you're sleeping, God's storing up new mercies and new graces for you so that when you awake, whatever you wake up to, you should thank God for the relationship that you're in and the grace that's been given to you in that relationship to face whatever that day holds for you. Can I get a better amen? You're in the world. But even better, you're in Christ Jesus and a recipient of his grace. Amen? Amen. Watch this. Let's, we're getting ready to conclude. Following the logic of Paul's thought, he says, grace to you. And I love what comes next. He says, and peace. Irene, peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the way it works. When you become a recipient of God's grace and you understand the nature of it, how many of y'all know that will cause you to rest in his peace? Because the biblical idea of peace, it's this, it's this sense of well-being in your life. That's what peace, biblical peace means. 
Some will say it's the absence of conflict. Well, there's always going to be conflict around you. But when you know that you're right with God, how many of y'all know that's what really counts? When you know you're right with God, and don't just take that as you and God. Take that as you you being right with people. When you're right with people, that also means you're right with God. You can't separate the two. You understand? Like we go, we go vertical and we forget the horizontal. Jesus said, if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember there somebody has something against you, leave your gift, go make it right with that person, then come back. Let me translate. If you're giving a big gift to the building foundation or to legacy or whatever, you come, bring your gift, and there, here, wherever, with the baskets, you remember somebody has something against you, there's a wrong there. Jesus would say to us, Thank you for your check. Thank you for your offering. But don't give it. Don't, don't give it yet. First, go make it right with that person. Then you can offer your gift. Which shows us what? That he's way more interested in our relationships than he is our money. He actually wants us to be holy and set apart. Even, especially in our relationships. But when you're right with God, that will empower you to be right with other people. And it's this sense, can I have some keys, please? It's this sense of well-being. Let me ask you this. Is it well with your soul this morning? I didn't ask you how your marriage is, though that's important. I didn't ask you about the economy or your bank account. Is it well with your soul? If it's not, it can be. When you realize that in Christ, we are the forgiven, adopted, beloved saints, sons, daughters, heirs, co-heirs with Christ of the living God. We have this new status. Jesus went to war so that we could be at peace today. If you're a recipient of his grace, then you'll rest in his peace. That will translate around you. All hell can be breaking loose around you, but because of God's grace, it can be well within you if you understand what Paul's saying in this two-verse greeting. This is how Paul begins his letter to the Ephesians. And how many of y'all know this is what we need to hear at the beginning of this new year? I needed to hear this. Just two verses. Of course, none of us know the challenges that await us this year. None of us here know what lies ahead. There'll be many needs, many challenges, many hardships. All that's coming. But how many of y'all are thankful we have a source, God our Father? We have a source that never runs dry. Years ago, Early on in our marriage, I remember uh, Kelly and I got into a little disagreement. Y'all ever have those? Y'all ever have them? No, just other churches, right? Y'all ever have them? Okay, every direction. So, I did something and she said to me, I'm out of grace. My grace has run dry. Y'all ever said that? Huh? 
She said, I'm all out of grace. <laughs> and I said, I'm really glad God never says that. <laughs> Y'all ever run out of grace? We do. We run out of grace because we fail to go to the source. And you can't give something that you haven't received. And sometimes we think grace is just something we get when we get saved and then that's it. But you get it when you get saved. Thank God you get it while you're saved. And you are saved by grace, you are kept by grace, you are loved by grace, you, it is all by grace. Kelly, she, we laugh at it now. She said, I'm out of grace. And I thought about it. The best advice I think I can give you in this new year, from the Opelousas campus to the Lafayette campus to all the different campuses who heard even Pastor Chris's message last Sunday, what a, what a great simple message. But here's what you need to understand. When you read the Bible in the morning, when you pray in the morning, it is not just some ritual that you do to check off a box. I want you to think of those disciplines in, in this way. You are praying, you are getting before God, you are getting before the source of grace. You are going to sit at his feet to receive something from him that you cannot get anywhere else in this world. The world will not give you what only God will give you. The world cannot give you what God alone gives you. If you want to be a person of grace, then you have to go consistently to the throne of grace to understand who you are and there understand who God is and it's there in that place where you receive grace. So when you get up in the morning and you pray and you read the word of God, think of yourself as getting before the source that never runs dry. Think of it. Maybe you're out of grace with people because you have not been getting consistently before the God of all grace to receive from him freely what only he can give. Maybe that's the case. Y'all struggle? Y'all struggle? In your heart, your mind, y'all struggle? Struggle in your marriage? Every saint struggles. Some of you here today, you're struggling badly in your marriage, with your money, with your mouth, with your soul. You're struggling. Welcome to the place, the relationship of grace, where you can be empowered to work through that struggle to have the power even to overcome that struggle 
And somehow, some way through it, God has this way of making us more like Jesus. And isn't that what we're after? for your amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now we see, Lord. And we thank you this morning for your amazing grace. Can you lift your hands with me? Thank you for your amazing grace. wait on the Lord with me. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, you sit before the God of all creation. And if you're dry right now, I want you just to lift your hands toward heaven, plug into heaven, to the source. God, God, our Father. Paul says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you. Grace is for us. Lift your hands right now. Just symbolically receive. Receive. In your sin, in your darkness, in your misery, in your questioning, in your anxiety. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're present with us. Lord, we thank you for your love in our lives. We are your saints. And I pray in this new year, Lord, that you would give us a desire and to be good, good stewards of that desire to seek you, to know you, Jesus to sit at your feet, to be like you. And so Lord, right now, I pray for everyone here in this place of, in this place of grace. I pray for everyone in their marriage who's struggling. I pray for every, everyone here who needs a touch of heaven. Just reach up and receive it right now, symbolically. Lord, thank you. Freely, freely you give. <laughs> freely we receive. Oh, we worship you, God. We worship you. Come on, let's just lift our hands to the Lord right now. We, we worship you, living God. We worship you, living God, in this new year. We make it our aim to worship you with our mouths, with our lives, with our lips. We worship you. We worship you, great God. Thank you for your abiding presence here. Lord, I ask right now for darkness to lift. Lord, I pray for your empowering presence right now to break through walls. And I pray that no one would leave here today feeling condemned, but deeply convicted by the two verses 
that I taught. I know I am. I want to be more like you, Jesus. I pray that, Lord, as, a, as the under-shepherd of this house, Lord, I pray that I would, and the leaders here would, we would be good examples. I pray you would help me be that. But I thank you for this flock. I thank you for Midtown. I thank you for your, your heart, King Jesus, for each and every person here, for the lost. If you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus, I'm not in relationship with him. I'm in Lafayette. I'm in America. But I'm not in, in relationship with him, but I want to be. On the count of three, if that's you, I want you just to slip up your hand and say, that, that's me, Pastor Scott. I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I, I want to be a recipient of his grace. I want my sins forgiven. And I, I want God. If that's you, on the count of three, I just want you just to lift up your hand. No one's going to look around or call you out. One, two, three. Let me see your hand. If that's you, you say, I want to I give my life to the Lord because the Lord has given his for me. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you, God. With your hands lifted right now, it's just a sign of surrender to the Lord. It's a sign of surrender. And right now, I pray for everyone with their hand lifted. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray right now for everyone with their hands lifted, Lord, that this would mark the beginning of a brand new life. A brand new start. And so if you, if you lifted your hand, you said, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to be in him. I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. It's really a confession is really all that it is. The prayer in itself doesn't save you. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, he, he saves you. But we're going to say this together. I want you to make this your confession if you want to be in relationship with him. We're going to say it together. And I want all of Midtown, maybe you've said this a hundred times. Let's say it one more, <laughs> one more time with all who had their hands lifted. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my, you canceled my debt. And you death for me so I can be forgiven. Say this, I believe Jesus that you rose from death to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, in a relationship with the Father. Say this, today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you, no matter what it costs me. And I declare, I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. It's in Jesus' awesome name, everyone says. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise today.